Hello, everyone. This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew, coming to you with another edition of the Founders Journal, where I make my personal journal available to you, the listener, to learn from my experiences, my failures, my successes in building Morning Brew. You may hear another voice. That's producer Josh. He continues to push me through this podcast. Hope you enjoy this episode. As always, if you have any feedback around the show, email me at alex at morningbrew.com. Hope you enjoy. All right. How's it going today? It's good. By the way, I, I love my uh, I love my new note cards. I, I've been doing work from my girlfriend's family's place, and but I stole this uh, stationery from my mom's place, which is five minutes away. It has her monogram on it, and I can't stop writing on these pieces of paper, but now I look like an absolute crazy human being with just these oversized index cards around my girlfriend's family's house. I think it's funny that all of us still use paper and pen. There's something about when I write, I feel, I don't know, I feel like I retain the information better. And I don't know if that's true, but there's just like, I feel more satisfied when I do it. I'm right there with you. Okay, what is on these pieces of paper today? So the first one kind of was a thought that was stitched together from a few different experiences today. And the thought was that we live in an attention economy, right? We live in an age where everyone's attention is being pulled in 50 different directions. And so the thought that I had for myself is that repeated exposures of important ideas are necessary in everything you do. They focus someone's attention and they also add just weight and importance to whatever you're saying. And so the way I thought about it is one, when we look at the performance of our test with Scott Galloway. And for those of you who haven't heard about this test, um, we partnered up with Scott Galloway, who's a well-known NYU professor on an educational course. What I've seen is, you know, we've probably promoted it 15 times now. And every time there's still dozens of people that sign up who either fall in the bucket of the first five exposures that they saw it didn't justify in their head spending $500 on a course. But I think you have an entirely different group of people who just didn't acknowledge it. Their attention either was on other parts of the newsletter and they didn't read the ad or they opened the newsletter that day and never actually read it. And then I thought about that experience and how it connects to the idea of when you want employees in a business to be focused on something, you need to reiterate it many times. I think it speaks to not that employees don't listen, but the fact that there are so many things that people in the business need to think about on a daily basis. And you know, the example that I thought of is we were in our senior leadership meeting today and I reiterated to everyone like how people in the company can request things from our designers. And even though that process has been stated in the past, it's probably been, I don't know, three or four months. And so I think a lot of people don't know how to do it. And so if you need, you know, Facebook ad creative designed, if you need uh, a an editorial image designed in our newsletter, I think there are a lot of people who have no idea how to even do that. Um, and so I guess the thought for me is repeat things that are important ideas, but also be cognizant of how often you repeat it. Because the final thought is like, I think there's a curve where say you repeat something to someone 10 times, I think times one through five, you get the upslope in someone's like attention and interest in whatever you're telling them. But then from five to 10, I think you have to worry about this fast drop-off as a cliff. And that to me, that fast drop-off is when someone's like, okay, you're getting annoying. Okay, I'm not interested. It's the SDR who hits you up over an email and they've now bumped you for the seventh time. Um, And so I think it's just interesting to think about what is the right number of exposures to get the point across, to get someone interested, but not piss someone off. So that was thought number one. (laughs) That's thought number two. (laughs) Keep going. I'm, I'm glad you asked. 
So this was actually a thought that was inspired by uh, Austin, my co-founder. Um, basically, he had tweeted today, and I think it was in response to some of the things that we were talking about in our senior leadership meeting. But he tweeted today about the idea of how to think about brand when you are the end user. His tweet was, the best thing about creating a company where you are the target demo is that you don't have to overthink brand. You know if something is on brand, if it resonates with you. And I think it's it's such an impactful point because Austin and I are lucky in the sense that we are Morning Brew's target demographic. I do think in a lot of cases when we're deciding, you know, naming convention, whether we're deciding whether a landing page looks good, whether we're deciding whether we should go into a given vertical, I think our intuition, even though it feels weird, as people who try to be objective and say, okay, we're a sample size of one or two, how can we extrapolate that to our entire audience? I think it has treated us well to be intuitive in our decisions. And I'm not saying always, but I think in a lot of ways, our view of brand, when we feel good about it, our audience will feel good about it as well. For other founders or founder types listening that are making companies where they aren't the end user, how does what you're thinking about come through? So I think- Honestly, this this is why I've always biased myself to the thought of I want to always be building companies where I am the end user. And that's that's just been a position for me. I don't think it is impossible to build a successful business if you're not the end user. I think it's just a harder challenge. And I don't know if I'm equipped for that challenge yet. Um, but what I would say is if you are running a company where you're pro- you are not the user of your product, I think, one, you better spend a shit ton of your time talking to the end user of the product and be so incredibly clear on who that end user is because it's not going to be intuitive. But I also think you need to then focus on you know whether it's your product managers, whether it's your developers, the people who are helping you and assisting you to build the product, in my view, should be the end user because it's never going to be intuitive. And so when something's not intuitive, I think you need to bring in people who it is intuitive for. So that's uh, that's number two. There were five on this list, so we'll, we'll leave the other uh, two for tomorrow, I guess. Um, okay, this is just an interesting thought. It's very specific, but I actually think it's a, just a creative question for anyone who is a consumer of content or anyone who is a creator of content, which is a lot of people. So I was talking today with Phoebe, our writer for Marketing Brew, and Phoebe has a lot of experience doing Q&As from previous roles she was in. And we had this really good discussion about how do you make Q&A's original? And it's such a, an interesting question because at the end of the day, all a Q&A is one human being asking questions to another human being. But I think because of that, because Q&A's are particularly easy to set up, it is a highly saturated market. Every single media company does Q&A's in some fashion. And so I think the big question becomes in such a highly saturated space, the space being the market for question and answer conversations, but in a market where there's always appetite for advice and insight from smart people, what what I uh, and Phoebe pushed ourselves to think about is how do you make the Q&A original? And I think my initial take on it is originality is not going to come from curation of the best guests because our competitive advantage is not in getting access to guests that other big media companies can't right? Like the Wall Street Journal is always going to be able to get guests that we can. But I think where the competitive advantage comes in is knowing from our readers, what is the best format for Q&A? Is it text? Is it video? Is it podcast? Is it some mix of all of them? But also what is the context in which you do the Q&A? What I mean by that is the type of questions that you 
ask that can be on brand and repeatable for your company, but also literally like the environment in what you do the Q&A. And so she gave an example of uh, Harper's Bazaar doing an interview with a celebrity in a campsite where they were doing camping with the celebrity. Or I think about like Carpool Karaoke. Like why is that such a widely popular um, series? It is just a Q&A, just like any other Q&A, but is the context of it that brings so much satisfaction and joy to people. And so I wanted to think about that in the context of how do we do that at Morning Brew? That's uh, number three. I promised I wouldn't do any more, so we'll leave the next two for tomorrow. I hope uh, you all enjoyed today's Founders Journal. It was uh, it was fun to just riff about my random thoughts from the day. I had too many to uh, be able to list, but... Uh, they included everything from making Q&As original to repeating your messages to customers or employees. And finally, how to extrapolate yourself if you are your end user. And if you're not your end user, how you do things that aren't necessarily intuitive. Hope you enjoyed and I'll catch you tomorrow. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.